0: is our next episode in the big story of the Bible. So it's Act 3, Scene 1. Israel, Abraham. All right, I know I've got it wrong. Abraham came before Israel, but he was part, the first part, of the story in which Israel was the major player. So I stick by my heading. Amazingly, God's original plan had not worked out. God had created a perfect world, so perfect that he said it was very good. Into it he had put a man and a woman, and because they were made in his, God's, image, they had the power of self-will and decision-making. And it had all gone wrong. Mankind was unable to relate to God, because God was holy and pure and they were neither. What could God do about it, working within his self-imposed limits that it would be done through human beings? What God chose to do was to take a man from whom would come a family, and from that family a nation, and give him the responsibility to turn it all around and make it work. That man was Abraham. In the same way that God later said he did not choose Abraham's descendants because of anything in them, but simply because the Lord loved them, I think we must assume there was nothing special about Abraham. We will never know when or why the Lord spoke to him and compelled him to persuade his father to take his whole family out from one of the best and most comfortable cities of the ancient world, Ur of the Caldees, and trek over a thousand miles to a small hill country area. The promise the Lord gave to Abraham is of fundamental importance to the whole Biblical story, and to the whole world, up to and beyond our present day. Here it is, from Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses. Go! To the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here we have one, a promise of land. Two, A promise of many descendants. Three, a promise of great blessing through him. Four, a warning that the world will be divided into those who are blessed and those who are cursed through him. I think before going any further, I should list what has happened as a result of those four ideas. The detail will get filled in as we go through these studies. 1. The land is no longer Israel. Paul said that Abraham would be heir of the world, Romans 4 and 13. 2. The many descendants are not just national Israel, indeed not really national Israel much at all now, But us, Paul said, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. Three, the great blessing has come through Jesus Christ, his life, death and resurrection. Four, Paul updated the warning when he said in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So all these things said to Abraham more than 3,000 years ago, are still important today. But in fact, it is more than a promise. If you buy a book from a friend, you promise to pay. But if you buy a house from a friend, something more than a promise is needed. You are into the world of lawyers, legal documents, and a covenant, an unbreakable agreement between the two of you. And the Lord sealed a covenant with Abraham In Genesis chapter 15, the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. When the sun had set, and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared, and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. That describes what we would think a very curious procedure. But it was the way that they did covenants in those days. It was the way a high king made an agreement, a covenant, with a lesser king. The high king would protect the lesser king from other high kings. The lesser king would provide fighting men to form part of the high king's army when he needed it. Perhaps to defend another lesser king... From another high king, the situation between the Lord and Abraham was sufficiently similar for the procedure to be applied. The fundamental statement on which Abraham, and eventually the whole biblical story, is centred is Genesis 15 and 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Paul uses it in Romans chapter 4 and verse 9, when he says, We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Here, faith, faithfulness, believing loyalty is established as the necessary and only prerequisite for a relationship with the Lord God. All other subsequent attempts to add various activities and actions in worship and living are just plain wrong. The story unfolds with many ups and downs through the lives of Abraham, his son Isaac, his grandson Jacob, who had the twelve sons who began the twelve tribes of Israel, and his great-grandson Joseph, who with the best of intentions moved the whole twelve families down to Egypt. The return from Egypt, some 400 years later, the exodus, as it is called, is the next major event in the biblical story. So what? Abraham is the great paradigm of faith. A paradigm is not just an example of something, or even a good example it is the one outstanding example that all others should copy. So Jesus gave his disciples the parable of the sower and the seed as the one great paradigm of how all the rest of the parables should be understood. The first outstanding thing Abraham did was to make a journey, a huge journey, particularly huge for a city boy through wild country, difficult country, past bandits galore. He didn't get it all right. We read in Genesis 12 that he failed to stop in the hill country he was to be given when he should have done. He kept going, eventually reaching Egypt and big trouble. The writer to the Hebrews says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place whose architect and builder is God. We too have a journey to make, the journey of faith. We too won't get it all right. We will make mistakes, but if we walk in step with the Spirit of Jesus, we shall get there. The second outstanding thing Abraham did was to obey the instruction from the Lord to take his only son, on whom all the promise of descendants rested, to the hill of sacrifice, where he was only stopped at the last minute from killing him as a sacrifice, something far outside what we would ever consider possible. That was a huge test, and we may well hope that nothing like that will ever come our way. But to go back to the journey idea, some preachers make it sound as though all that matters is being born again. But we are born to a new life, not to a static state of eternal babyhood. The beginning matters as a wedding matters, but it is the marriage that determines what the real outcome is. Not for nothing is the Christian life called the way in the book of Acts. Jesus said, follow me. He describes himself as the shepherd who leads where the sheep are to follow. What is the way you are going?